I'm going to argue with Jason that there's no such thing as a double switcheroo. Eh, Frank's a loser. Lodero. So I officially hate like 94% of Atlanta fans. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. I lost to the freaking cat team. Just a whisker. A whisker of a loss. Was that a rational RSL take from Jason? <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm probably the most rational RSL fan. You just got lawyered by a non-lawyer, bro. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. This episode is brought to you by MLS Halloween Shop, now featuring Yopstam masks. Warning, masks may differ from each other. Uh, oh, no, wait. Uh, actually, uh, no, brought to you by MLSFantasyBoss.com and the amazing Patreon sub- supporters of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast. I almost said subscribers. You're supporters, not subscribers. Uh, I'm Reed Connolly, your host and uh, founder of MLSFantasyBoss.com, and tonight I'm joined by my partner in fantasy, Blaine Riffle, as we continue our discussion of the best MLS 11 XI starting, whatever you want to call it, team of all time, parentheses, modern game era. What's up, Blaine? Hey, I'm, I'm good. It's been a good day off for me. Yeah, yeah. Happy Memorial Day. Uh, to those of you who are uh, able to celebrate at this time, uh, I had a uh, a great uncle who who died in World War II, and so I do always think about him during this time. And so our thoughts and prayers go out to all the families who are remembering uh, loved ones lost during this time, and and our thanks to all of those who do put their lives mm-hmm. in line and have paid the ultimate price for that. Uh, that is that is the point of this day, and uh, we thank you. Um, for, for that sacrifice that your loved ones have made. Uh, good good note to want to make sure we cover, but let's also mention that there's only two of us here because Mike has been able to go back to work, and that's why we've been doing these podcasts is because we're still in, in this corona shutdown, but people are starting to get back to work. Life is slowly starting to come back, and that's part of what people have been able to do on this Memorial Day. They've been able to go out and socially distancely uh, celebrate. And so we're so happy that people could do that too, to recognize these sacrifices. And and Mike can't be with us tonight uh, because he's had a work commitment. So so that's great for him and his family to be able to do that. Uh, but I know for Blaine and myself, we had the day off. So with hope, Blaine, you have used this time productively, as I have, to prepare for this podcast. I did not use it productively to prepare for this podcast. Um, I spent my day with my daughter and my wife and tried to keep peace in the house. Okay, well, I think that is also productive use of your time. But I had most of my list done after the last episode. I just had to fill in a few shifts and stuff. Well, it's Defender, and yeah. We'll get to that when we get to that. We but. will. No, I think you know. I think I know where you're going. Uh, for those of you who did not catch the last episode, uh, check that out right now. I'll try to do one of those fancy YouTube things uh, if, if I can. But if not, if you're listening to us through your favorite podcasting platform, check the last episode. We are doing a series of best eleven MLS fantasy teams, best of all time from 2012 to 2020, uh, the modern era of the game 3.0 if you will, and we are giving our individual takes on each position, keepers, defenders, midfielders, and forwards, and then with the fifth episode, uh, because we've learned how to do this podcast vamping from Mr. Andrew Wiebe, 
uh, we're going to actually put together numbers. We'll have our full teams. We'll have a, a team. I've thought more about this since last week. We'll have a team that's just based on raw points. We'll have a team that's based on points per 90. We may go crazy and see if we can get a, a Twitter poll team if we can. But we'll try to have a few different teams at the end that are supported by the numbers for best of all time as well as the ones that, that we pick. So right now it's totally subjective. We laid out some of our general rules last week of how we were looking at the teams. And tonight we're talking about defenders. And it may have been easy for you, Blaine, but man, I thought this one was tough. When I started going back through uh, the points that I had collected over the years for how players had, had performed and thinking about the contributions of individual players to, to the fantasy universe uh, and, and trying to figure out how do I account for recency bias how do i account for guys who were injured at times how do i account for guys who were fortunate enough to get other opportunities and other teams and other countries this this was wild it was just literally like a shotgun of players through through these through these numbers so uh kudos to you for feeling like this was easy well i mean my first draft included five sporting players in the top five i mean just go just joke with it i've there were five names that I could throw out there for the top five just to see, and that's why it was so easy. Now, as I actually started taking an objective look, it got a lot harder. But I don't know. I just I seeing where some of these players come from and some of the rivalries and some of the teams I absolutely hate. Um, <laughs> it was it, it was a lot. It may have been a lot easier for me because I am so used to certain names popping up. And their names that really do deserve to be here once I did a little bit more digging. Now, Mike did send me his list of players, so we will have some information from him, but he sent his top five. Uh, the way we did this last week in the same format that we're going to follow tonight is we're going to have an expanded list. So we're going to start with our top 10. Uh, and when we're giving, actually, Blaine's going to give me his top 10, then I'll talk about some other players he may have missed, and then I'll mention what my top 10 are. And then we'll whittle that down to eight, so we'll just cut off a couple of names, and then we're going to take that final eight and go down to our final five. And we're following the MLS Fantasy roster rules right here, so we had two keepers last week. We're going to have five defenders as well for our, our final uh, team. We will decide who is on the bench uh, we'll do our top one through five, and so depending on ultimately at the end when we set these teams up, if we go three in the back or four or five in the back, we're going to follow those priorities right there. So that's how all that's going to go. And I think that covers everything. So I want to talk more about this sporting discussion that you brought up, Blaine, but I think we'll get into that once you give your top ten list. So how about you just start things off with your top ten? So my top 10, and I've made sure I got them in alphabetical order again, just to not give anything away. Fair. Um, start off with uh, Matt Beasler, mm -hmm. a supporting guy for the first one. Um, Nat Bortruth gets the second spot. Um, Omar Gonzalez has to be up there for me. Um, Matt Hedges down in Dallas. Uh, Chad Marshall for Seattle. Uh, Hamas and Olave from Real Salt Lake. Ooh, throwback. Yeah. Um, Ike Opara, uh, split between Kansas City and Minnesota. Uh, mm -hmm. Picked up a defender of the year with each, so you can't really say one team. Uh, Michael Parkhurst going Columbus and Atlanta. Um, great career with both of those. Um, I threw Rito Ziegler out there um, for Dallas. Um, penalty taker, which really, really ramped, uh, pushed him up higher on my list. 
and then uh, Walker Zimmerman finishes out my top ten. Fair. Those are those are some good names. Uh, we have definitely some overlap in in our list, but we also have a few a few differences. So I'm very pleased to see that. Yeah, going back old school, uh, Olave 2013. Uh, unfortunately, unlike our keeper discussion last week, where I was able to sort of get a good idea of what some points may have been like based on clean sheets, I have not been able to find some good stats for 2012 for defenders. Uh, so if you're listening right now and you have some information that are more detailed stats about defenders, if you have the actual fantasy stats, you'll be my favorite person ever. But if you don't, if you have some more detailed stats for defenders from 2012, players in general from 2012, please let me know. Uh, specifically, I'd love to have information about clearances, blocks, interceptions, recoveries, and, and clean sheets. So I could probably figure that out from the keepers for the defenders, but if, if I have some of those other stats too, That'll be that'll be great. Uh, so I only have back to 2013 for our defenders, but Olave right there in the top 10 during that time. So uh, definitely a huge presence. Nat Borchers, another another great call who was very good at the beginning of 3.0, um, and so he was definitely a top player right there. Yeah, I mean, I I had to go I had to go deep a little bit for those two guys, but. I mean, some of that comes from being the sporting guy that I sure. am. Uh, the RSL rivalry was huge for me. And so you got two guys that played with RSL during that during that day. And then Borchers ended up over with Portland and really tore it up with Portland. And I think, what, didn't he win it? He was there for the MLS Cup win in Portland. So I think he may have two on his career. I mean, 2009 is definitely before the 3.0 in fantasy. But his fantasy numbers were always steady, maybe not lights out all the time, but always steady and always reliable, which was a huge part of how I picked these guys. Mm -hmm. And just two guys that maybe fly under the radar and will get lost to when you start looking at recency bias with some of the other names that are going to be on people's lists. But these guys both had four, five, six years. Well, no, I guess not six, three, four, maybe five years of the 3.0 system where they were just tearing it up and were uh, top end defenders. I know they both got out of the air. Olave, Olave played longer, but I, but I know both of these guys were so consistent while they were playing. It's really hard to leave them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is tough. Uh, Sporting Kansas city is a very interesting team and you have two sporting players on your team. And I, and I think that's fair. And that was a tough part for me when I was trying to make my list was, did I want to overlap with players? But if we go back through 2013, at least, there is a sporting Kansas City player, at least one, in the top 10 of all fantasy players for, I think, five of those last seven years, mm -hmm. uh, if, if not more. I mean, if we go to 2018, there are three. There are three sporting Kansas City players in the top five in 2018 of all fantasy players. So I really struggled about if I wanted to have multiple players from the same team on on this list. And Sporting Kansas City was the first team that that I felt justified it. So I agree with you. I also have Ikopara and uh, Matt Beasler on this team. Spoiler though, not the only team that I have double up on. I've got I've got three double ups if you want to count it that way. Um, I've got the double sporting. Yeah. 
Uh, you've got Olave and Borchers, who both played with RSL at the same time. Sure. Um, but Borchers has got that split. And then I've got uh, Hedges and Ziegler. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you really want to go out, I tripled up with Walker Zimmerman while he was with Dallas before he went out to L.A. I also have a double up with with Dallas. Those, those are my double ups. Uh, I have Matt Hedges as well. Uh, and then my my th- potential third so i have a third guy ga- ga- second dallas guy on here i have ryan hollingshead and this was a tough one you are very uh center back focused with your picks i have the majority of my people are also center backs but i tried to think especially within the past few years of fantasy people have been looking at wing backs uh the the center backs are bread and butter stats for sure but i i've noticed a lot of people and myself included have looked for some wing backs to try to get some of that offensive just push in there and so i'm just trying to think who are players that when i'm looking for a wing back that i'm just constantly coming back to and and there were three players that that jumped to mind immediately. One of them is Ryan Hollingshead. Now he's played all over, so maybe he's not going to make it very far on a lot of people's lists due to just playing everywhere. I know he did some time in in midfield as well, but Ryan Hollingshead, I think has become for me, one of my first go-to fantasy wingbacks when I'm looking for somebody. Also Harrison awful is in my top 10 for the same reason. He's a guy that's just uh, been someone who I've gone to as a default of oh i need a wing back what how's how's columbus look what's what's awful doing now awful's also been a top 10 player a couple of, of seasons mm-hmm. um that is not something that uh that we can say about about hollingshead but um he's been someone i've consistently gone to the um the third one is beta shore and mm-hmm. he did not end up making my top 10 um one because he has never been a top ten overall fantasy player. Uh, he did split some time with with teams, but it, it he seems to be more sporadic fantasy wise. That you can go with Beta Shore, you're hoping for some good production, but it's not as always consistent, and so maybe not one of your one of your go tos. Um, I did have Chad Marshall on my team, and I was thinking a lot about his time with seattle uh on there and you know i i kind of i struggled for a little bit with chad marshall the the overall thing for me i mean he's he's a three-time defender of the year that's that's amazing he's been in the top 10 twice been in the top 20 top 15 a few times some of these points to get started getting real close if they're in the top 10 or 15 there but I ended up giving it to Chad Marshall because of his Defender of the Year uh, awards, but I struggled because when I think of Seattle, there have been so many times where I know they've had decent center backs, but there have been so many times that their wing backs have been more attractive to me. Like with having uh, Leardham there, just just recently, Leardham and Smith have been guys who I've who I've wanted to go to. Or Yedlin, gosh, Yedlin was one that we went to all the time. So at times, it's been the wing backs that I've gone to. Uh, more so than the center backs, but when I did want a center back, Marshall is always one I know that people have have gone to consistently. Um, 
Let's see here. Going to the rest of my list, I have uh, LGP on here, Gonzalez Perez, just because he is he was a, a beast with Atlanta, and when we're talking about Atlanta players getting coverage, he was one of the first people you were always looking at on the defensive side, for sure, uh, before getting getting others. Uh, I also have Omar Gonzalez, uh, and uh, Omar Gonzalez is uh, an early player. Uh, first three years that I had, 13, 14, 15, he was great. Of course, leaves, now comes back. And we were having a discussion about this a little bit, Blaine. Does that impact you, players who have left and come back and then aren't up to the same caliber? Um, It does a little bit. And that'll definitely be shown in my top five. Okay. But Omar Gonzalez, I mean, around that World Cup run in 2014 on either side of that, he was just so dominant in MLS. Like, he's up there with Borchers and Alave, honestly. They were um, a class of their own, really, when they were a little bit younger and playing in their prime. And I know recency bias really hurts these three guys a lot. But I just – I had to give a lot of credit to them because these guys were solid in the old system. And that's that's one of the big things that came through here for me was the old uh, – pre-unlimited transfer system when you had to pick guys and leave them yeah we looked for cheaper options sometimes but still writing out one of these heavy names early on especially when i wasn't playing the same way i do now where you where, where i knew all about the budget grabbing one of these big names and just setting them in your defense and leaving them there for a while was the way to go to get some pretty consistent points and these guys delivered more often than not so um, they're they're kind of a product of the system they played in at that time too, and that's why all three of them really make my list, and that's definitely why Gonzalez makes the list because he was so strong while he was with LA, and he was a guy you could put in your lineup early in the season. I mean, you didn't have to worry about trading him out because he was, or worry about the price rise and trying to pick him up later. He was just somebody you could set and forget and leave him there for a while until you use the wild card. Yeah, for sure. And this was the era of four players per team, so it was really easy to to get that. Uh, the last two names I have on my list, and I'll go over it again real quick after this, because I know I've been all over the place. The last two names I have on my list are are more budget guys, and I, I made this pick instead of some of the big point producers, because... Budget has been so important in every fantasy manager's life, even now with our with our different budget system. But there were often times where we have been searching for that budget defender who is going to get those clean sheets, who's going to get those those bonus points, and is going to grow in value to improve your team value wise early on in version three point of fantasy, and then later in life just just so you can afford people and stay under your cap and. An easy team to go to is Colorado for that. They tend to have very cheap players. Uh, Chris on Twitter mentioned a name. But first, I mean, when I think of this, when I was thinking of cheap players, I first go to to our great MLS fantasy insider name butchering player, Axel Hoberry, um, is, is the player that I first think about. But Chris from Twitter sent out his top five, and he mentioned Drew Moore. And I was like, yes. No, actually, yes. And so when I start looking back through the numbers, you see Drew Moore has been uh, a top 10 defender twice over the past seven years. He And he's been on the verge of a top 10 defender two other times. So in the past seven years, in, in four of those years, he's he's been one of the top defenders, easily in the top 25% of defenders in, in fantasy, and usually has had a pretty affordable price during this whole time so yeah so good yeah 
Drew Moore is my number 11 on my list. It's fair. No, I get it. Like right, right there. And I think, it, I think he got hurt honestly in my rankings because he played for some pretty awful teams. And I mean, I know he was there with Toronto, but he was just overshadowed by so many other players too. Mm-hmm. But his time with Colorado really hurt him. He wasn't a go-to for clean sheets which is somewhat impressive when you think about it, that he still maintained that pretty high average despite not being the clean sheet option that he was. Well, sure. I mean, I'm looking back through the past seven years. I've got some of the stats in front of me right now. His, let's just say, when he finished in the top 20. And we'll say that. When he finished in the top 20, 2013, or sorry, 2014, was his lowest, and that's where he was 17th when he finished high and he was only 11 points away from making the top 10. So even when he's had some poor performing teams, he's still been fairly competitive with his Mm -hmm. points. But this was me again. This was me trying to think about price. Like the price has been such a driving factor. I wanted to honor that somehow with my best team of, of I'm going to want to have some budget guys anyway, who are still solid off the bench. So uh, Drew Moore was one of them next. And this is definitely kind of a recency as well, but I have Keegan Rosenberry. Uh, he mm. he was uh, an easy way into Philadelphia, and it it was just another kind of a budget look as well with with where I wanted to go with that. So and he's had a top ten finish as well, um, been in the top twenty a few times and in the top ten once in in the past three or four years. So um, that's that's where my list is. A, a curveball for me uh, was Justin Morrow again when I was talking about wingers justin morrow was a guy where i was like "Ooh, that's that's a tough one so that that whole hollingshead awful morrow sort of situation i haven't quite resolved yet so i may change uh, a little bit with our conversation tonight but where i stand right now in no particular order or alphabetical order chad marshall drew moore harrison awful Icopara, keegan rosenberry uh leandro gonzalez perez matt beasler matt hedges omar gonzalez ryan hollingshead is kind of what i'm looking at and i want to derail you a little bit because i talked about it i've got a group of names that i just wanted to shotgun out here because i did go center back heavy Mm -hmm. i just i that's the way i draft in fantasy or in my fantasy draft league i just that's the way i look at it i just tend to lean towards center backs but that doesn't mean the the wingbacks are should go unnoticed and so most of them ended up here just right outside and that's just because of the consistency issues. Um, Leardom should probably make this list. I don't have him there just because somewhat, some of it's just I've seen a little bit of it. But outside of the goals, he hasn't been the same guy. And goals are kind of a flash in the pan for a wing back. Like He was just so on fire that one year that it was almost unheard of. But like I said, I got Drew Moore in there. My two other sporting guys show up here in Sinovic and Chance Myers. Sessanovic, Chance White, those guys, you want to talk about that strong sporting defense, both of those guys were as vital to it, and they, they could easily make it for your wingbacks list if you are doing that. Um, and then I've got uh, Biafania, Wall- Rodney Wallace, Alvis Powell, um, and Awful all make this list here as well as more wingbacks to come in. I think all of those guys have had their really good moments. I'm just come in, and then just three – three more names that really we we can't leave out because of the dominance they've shown in the league it's just they didn't quite beat out these other guys and that's bobby boswell uh steve birnbaum and lawrence simon 
Yeah, and so... No, like, go ahead. Go ahead. I, what? Two teams for Simon, two teams for Burnbaum, I think. Uh, Boswell, I don't remember where he came from as much, but he's always been a short list on my defenders watch list. Mm-hmm. Um, just those three guys, they've always been overshadowed by other defenders, other center backs. But when you're playing in a draft league, those names pop up a lot higher on your list because they're ones that usually get overlooked when defenders start to go and you can snag one of these guys around later and get a lot of, get a lot of value out of somebody that just got overlooked because they're not one of the big names that we always talk about. Yeah, Boswell did really well uh, 13, 14, 15 yeah. as well with some of those DC teams. Um, for, well, I guess he was uh, Houston slash DC transition time uh, right there. Yeah. And then, like, two names that I love from the earlier part of this is Aaron Long and Aurelian Collin. I mean, there's my top five of sporting. You throw Colin in that list, and you've got all of it. But those two guys, Colin just became an MLS journeyman after a great run with Kansas City. He went chasing a little bit more money and never really found a spot. I mean, there's no reason he shouldn't have started for the Red Bulls other than he just wasn't playing up the bar. And then he goes out to Philadelphia. So many center backs. Yeah. Um, and then he goes out to Philadelphia and – they start like an almost uh, a really really young back four and colin as a mls cup mvp and a defender of the year cannot break into the starting lineup consistently for philadelphia like i don't know what happened and aaron long's one of those guys that uh, had he stayed he would be in the top five easy but he moved on to europe as he should have and just yeah you can't put a guy who left that quick into your top 10 because he didn't give you enough fantasy production not that he wasn't one of the best he just didn't give enough production and the last name i had in that kind of shotgun scatter approach was uh tim parker i think you're thinking miazga long still here miazga left yeah yeah miazga left yeah okay but like i said red bulls they had all the center backs yeah and then like tim parker's the other one that shows up on those Mm -hmm. he did it with vancouver and made and was actually one of the lone bright spots in really bad Vancouver days. Right. And even Waston. when they were good. Yeah. Even when they were good, like good Vancouver was Waston and Parker yeah. running the defense. And it they weren't good because they were outscoring people. They were good because their defense could shut almost anybody down. Mm-hmm. And Parker took that over to Red Bull and the team around Red Bull around him fell apart, but he was still a solid performer. So kind of got to go with those just some of those names like i didn't want to overlook certain guys but they just got either bad situations or got beat out by the other guys in my top 10 but i can't not mention some of these names because i mean depending on which team you root for which conference you root for or just how you shake it any one of these guys could be top 10 and so i just i don't feel i I can't sit here and feel right not mentioning a lot of these guys because they honestly probably deserve top 10 if you look at the numbers just a little bit different. But I went more with just personal feeling and the stats I know, and that's how I came up with my 10, but there were so many good names here. Yeah, it's it's been tough. Um, I mean, you mentioned Boswell, 
course, he helped DC with a lot of, of some, some solid defensive production. Never quite uh, a standout, I think, really, in the Final Fantasy numbers with production. Uh, he's It was also sort of Boswell or Burnbaum. I think that was the, the big decision. That That's why, for me, it, I didn't have DC on in my top ten because there wasn't really, oh, I need this guy. It was sort of, do I want Burnbaum? Do I want Boswell? Uh, who can I afford? Um, there wasn't necessarily that standout guy that I wanted I wanted to get. Um, let's see, did you mention Parkhurst? I think you mentioned Parkhurst. Yeah, Parkhurst is in my den. Early on. He's, he is... He was on the fringes for me there when mostly it was when he was at Atlanta that I was considering him as a cheaper alternative to to LGP. I got him sometimes when when he was at at Columbus, but it was usually around those times when I might have been looking at like a Viafania or not Viafania. Um, shoot, I've lost his name. Uh, wing back up in columbus but awful and uh you can look that up real quick blaine uh but some of the other options up there in columbus was it was usually what i was looking at sometimes parkhurst i, I did have parkhurst there um yeah um see parkhurst makes my list here partially because of his early days i mean he was really good with columbus but um if i'm remembering correctly he was with the columbus side that went to mls cup and lost to portland and that was a really strong defense they had that year too. Um, that was one of those teams that just kind of tore it up. And Parkhurst has just always been around solid teams. Valenzuela, sorry, it just came to me. Oh yeah, Valenzuela, good one. Not Viafania, Valenzuela. Yeah, but no, Viafania should be on this list too. I mean, he left and came back, and he's done pretty well since he came back. But another one of those just wing backs that. If he hadn't left, he would probably be in my top ten. Uh, the other guy I'm going to mention, you mentioned Colin. Uh, for me, he's nowhere near this list. I mean, he did he did well in 12 and 13 when he was with Sporting Kansas City, but but in this modern era, this was really his decline. So for me, yeah. he stopped being fantasy viable during this period, and so has no business being on a a top ten even for for mm-hmm. best fantasy defenders uh, during this time. Um, I think some other names we mentioned that I don't think are beyond her, but I at least want to throw out and give props to these guys. I mean, Axel Hoberry, that was someone who was a great go-to, but just didn't have that lasting impact, really. Uh, some of that was just form as well. Uh, Youngworth was a guy that we loved to get early on as well. Great value at uh, San Jose. Um, mm-hmm. Now is in more of that defensive mid area that I think we we are liking. Um Glad over at RSL was was often a go-to, not always great finishes, but uh, another some a lots of times cheap, depending on the form of RSL. So so Glad was one. The one to uh, did you mention Simon? Yes, I did. Yeah, Simon uh, jumped around a little bit, but he was another solid defender. Um, that did well, and we haven't mentioned Madronda. I, I think we have to say at least mention Madronda here, but. His defensive performances were due to the fluke of him subbing out and getting to keep his clean sheet. So he is much more deserving to be the Mount Rushmore with his contributions to the fantasy uh, universe, the vernacular of a fantasy, than necessarily my starting 11 that I want to have him. 
yeah, um, Madranda doesn't make my list or my honorable mentions because I still don't view him as a defender. Like, he's one of those guys like Graham Zussi for me. Just, they, Zussi has made the transition and has played really well. But he's still a midfielder at heart. And you can see it in his play and how far forward he gets. And the bulk of his fantasy days were played at midfield. And I don't care what MLS says or MLS fantasy says about Madranda. Madranda's a winger. <laughs> he can play back and he does fine. But he's a winger, and his his primary focus is getting forward and putting crosses in. And, yeah, I just – he's always going to be a winger to me, and that's why I couldn't put him on my list. Like, he had some great fantasy moments. Mount Rushmore worthy, for sure, but not one of my top defenders. And then uh, apologies. I'm looking at a lot of spreadsheets right here. I think I misspoke a little bit earlier when I mentioned Ryan Hollingshead. Uh, he did have a top 10, top 3 finish, actually, in in 2019 as far as uh, points go. So, uh, winger there. I did a quick poll on Twitter before we start to whittle this down. And I think it is just winding down because it was just, just a little short, a short poll. But I asked everyone on Twitter if they thought we needed to include... Um, wingbacks or if we could really have a team that was all all center backs for for fantasy and the results are in and yes we need wingbacks there's actually five minutes left but it's it's pretty overwhelming right now 70 percent to 30 percent uh that we can't just have all all center backs so you may still do that blaine and that's okay but but i agree with with the twitter verse right now that we do have to show some love with our fantasy best 11 with with some wingbacks so now it starts to get tough let's uh let's start whittling things down so we have we have our top 10 who are we gonna cut for top eight? Oh, you're gonna yeah you're gonna make me start this i'm sure i am and that's fine um i actually do have this and it it wasn't terrible for me to do it i'm separating the names out just so i've got them here and it sucks to have to do this to these guys but i've got my five out um nap borchers um retired a little bit earlier um numbers were always good but he's kind of the earlier era um, and that's just going to be recency bias hitting him. Um, some of the other names played longer or are still playing, and just I numbers, reliability was there. Uh, so Nat Borchers drops out at this point. Um, Omar Gonzalez drops out here. Um, he had some great early years, left, came back. He's been decent, but hasn't been that fantasy stud that we had before he left. Um, I'm not sure if that system or age or what's coming up to hit him, but he definitely isn't the same player he was before. And I know in the draft league, a lot of guys were really high on him and the waiver wire wanted him early as soon as he came back, but just never has quite panned out. Um, and same reason, um, Alave's also here drops out here. Um, he had one of the longer careers always was pretty good. And in his last couple of years had a decent price started rotating a little bit more, but he's 
been displaced, but at the time when he was still playing, he was the league leader in red cards, which is not a good thing for your fantasy team. <laughs> um, so just a, a little bit card happy here, and that's why he drops off compared to, a, to and compared to my top five. Um, Rito Ziegler, I mean, I gave him the nod. He was probably my number ten on the list. Um, gave him the nod to get in here. Um, he's played with some pretty solid Dallas teams. But uh, but he's a PK specialist. And when you've got a defender taking PKs, that really ups their value. And so he makes my 10. But when you've got a defender taking PKs, and that's one of the big reasons you take him, uh, definitely not top five. I'll stop you right there because we're just top eight. And you you, oh. you went a little bit ahead of me. No, no, we got to do top eight first. Top eight. So your first two that you're cutting off are Borchers and, and Omar. Oh. Oh, no. Then it's... Uh, well, I just I just ruined it. I thought we were going top straight to top five. No, no, anyway. top eight, top eight, whittling. We're whittling it down, whittling oh. it down. Blaine forgot yeah. the rules, everybody. Yeah, I forgot the rules. So you're two, um, you're two, my two would top be eight. Gonzalez and Ziegler. Okay, you're keeping Borchers. You're keeping Borchers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, Gonz- yeah, for the same thing. Gonzalez, I mean, really strong. Three, four years to start. Left, came back, and hasn't been the same. And then yeah, Ziegler's a PK guy. He's Decent clean sheets because of his team, but you're you're really hunting him when you're looking for clean sheets and a de- or for PK or for clean sheets and he's got a decent PK chance. Like that's one of those guys, but he was a little too fluky to be top eight at this point. Uh, so I didn't have Borgers at all. I mean, he is one of the finalists for most amazing beard contest for sure. Oh, yeah. If, if we're gonna do that, um, definitely a guy who who I considered uh a lot i mean portland more so when he was at portland than when he was at rsl i'm not trying to be an rsl hater y'all i mean i know that i got i got slammed last week for for Ramondo, but i'm not trying to hate on rsl at all uh but um he was definitely someone who i looked at a lot in 14 15 right before he was uh retiring so and funny enough his scores in 14 and 15 which got him to be a top 10 defender in fantasy are lower than the scores that he had in 13, which weren't even good enough to make top 10. So that's funny. In 2013, he had 151 fantasy points, uh, which was good for tied for 12th. Everyone look at that. Uh, and then in 13 and or 14 and 15, he had 134 and 138 points, respectively. Each of those. So didn't even hit his same spot, but made it higher. So the point changes that we've had. 13 was a great year yeah. for defenders. No, it was. No, it really was. Uh, but the point-changing system has definitely had an impact on defenders. But their their prices had just started to go. We didn't have a 200-point defender, though, until 2017. So uh, we had two of them at that time. That was that was fun. Uh, LGP and Icopara. Okay, so you drop Omar and you drop Ziegler. For me, uh, I'm dropping Keegan Rosenberry. Um he was one of my budget picks that I thought was was worthy of an odd to to go in there and uh, but doesn't quite make my my whittle down my top eight. I he's not going to be in my final my final lineup. I'm also going to put um, LGP Gonzalez Perez on my first cut list. He had uh, a great couple of seasons with us. Uh, he finished in the top twenty in his last two seasons, uh, top ten in his in his last season but he 
became too expensive and with the shift to three players was not always someone who you wanted to go with and so started to lose some fantasy value even though he may have been a great scoring player as his price per per point wasn't always great so for me um that's going to get a cut right there so down to our top eight now let's go to top five blaine so who are you whittling off three more players to cut to get us down to your top five, and then we'll rank your top five, one through five, with your fifth person, third, fourth and fifth person potentially being your bench guys. Yeah, um, first two names off are Borchers and Olave. Here's okay. where I upset the RSL fans and kick them out before the top five. Uh, but just their runs just in pandering. Last... You're pandering to RSL. To yeah, Jason. I got to make up for the Romando hate sure, from last sure. week. No, no, no. I, I could really double down and say these are the reason why Romando was always such a good guy or top goalkeeper. He had these guys in front of him for a long time. Uh, but, uh, I mean, these guys, they just, they didn't give us quite the number of years of the other guys. They didn't play in, they didn't play in 3.0 long enough. If we were doing a 2.0 list, I'm sure these guys would be really flirting with the top five. Um, Andrew Crowler's in chat. He says Olave makes his top five. Um, I, I, I mean, there's just something about him. He was a big, imposing force, and I like defenders like that. And so, both of these, both of these guys, just Borchers has the beard. Olave, just his sheer size. Old school defenders. I don't know that they would work out quite so well now, but for that era and for that type of fantasy game, both of those guys were there. They just didn't transition as far as the rest of them. And then the third guy dropping out of my top eight is Walker Zimmerman um bright young star coming up with Dallas um little bit cheaper always good for it moves out to LA and kind of takes a back seat to some other defender options that we have um huge transfer fee on him as well and just never quite came on as the fantasy option that he had been with Dallas and that hurt him a lot because he's one of those young guys that should be coming in to, if he's as good as he as his transfer fee demanded, he should be um, a consistent top five defender in MLS, and he's just not quite there. So for me, Olave is not even in my my top ten, and I can appreciate. Uh, the love for him. He, I remember him back in 12 and 13, and he was definitely a huge presence. But he hits that same sort of area for me as Aurelian Colin does. And that's after 13, he just sort of disappears from the scene. And if you're going back to him for fantasy-wise, you weren't getting as good of points or as you weren't getting as good of a player as you could have if you were going with some of the other options that we mentioned. So uh, for me, anything with Olave is thinking about MLS. Hey, hey, Lily, is thinking about MLS 2.0, MLS Fantasy 2.0 versus Fantasy 3.0. And he just didn't give the production that, that we would want for someone to be a a top 11 best best of all time uh, player right here. So uh, that's that's my reasoning. Uh, 2012, Andrew. 2012. 2012 slash 2013 because I don't have the 2012 stats. Reed, I think you're 
undervaluing some of the bench option Alave had for you because his value, I mean, his points dropped off, but his value dropped off too, and he was a little bit of a rotation risk. I know up until 17, 18, I was still grabbing Alave pretty regularly or stashed him on my bench in my draft team um, for those games when I knew he was starting. I mean, yeah, he's not there, but when he played, he had a lot of value, and he played, and with RSL, he was good. make a black <laughs> so if you are watching us on youtube you're you're seeing my screen do some fun things because i'm doing a quick look up of olave in 2014 which was uh when he first dropped off out of out of the top 10 of fantasy and so in 2013 olave was a top 10 fantasy Defender, uh, 157 points during that year. In 2014, he was 26th overall. Uh, this is when, sorry, this is the wrong Olave. There were multiple Olaves, and let me make sure I get the right one. Uh, yes, he was 25th. Overall, where did Blaine go? He disappeared on us. Uh, with, where's our points? Where's our points? 107 points. So uh, barely breaking the 100-point mark after that. So I, ju I just have a hard time for that big dive in, in point quality. I mean, there were plenty of other players that you would have gone to if you wanted to to get better production. I mean, even Andrew Farrell did better that year. So I just I just have a hard time going for Olave as, and Andrew, as a top player. Andrew said, it, Andrew said it in chat. Now, I'm, I'm fighting on Andrew's side tonight for this one. Um, he said he had, Olave had some injuries that really dropped him down in the rankings too. Sure. And that's kind of one of those things that I was talking about. I mean, some rotation because Glad came on and needed some minutes. Sure. Um, injuries came in. He was getting older, um, played for a long time. But I, the reason why he's in my top 10 is he was so strong to start to start out 3.0. And when he was playing, after his points started to drop off, he was still one of those must-have guys. Mm. Like, when was he it? was playing, when he was playing, well, and his price, his price comes in there, too. There were a few times he was starting at a at a 4.0 in those last couple of seasons, and when he starts, he was always on my short list to make my team because when RSL had those matchups, because you have to look at the rest of the team around him too. He was quality, and he was on a quality team. I mean, clean sheet chances were always there. I mean, Ramondo was backing him up, was behind him, had some good pairings in there. Just one of those guys that his average for minutes played was much higher than his total points ever showed. Yeah, but if the guy's not on the field, he can't give you points. So so for me, I, I get the injuries. I don't but, want but, to take like, away the quality of player that he was. But for fantasy, injuries and lack of production, I mean, it's the see, same reason. Where... People people went with Colin. I mean, I think I, think I went with Colin as a one of my starting players after he got traded to Philadelphia for the first game and he didn't even play. 
don't even know yeah. if he was in the 18 at that time because of what was going on. And, so it just, thing, I, I don't know. I just don't think that a super sub is someone who is, is worth being in the top 10 when you have so many other guys that remained relevant throughout like, this, this era, this era of I, fantasy. I can't call him a super sub. He's just, he's one of those aging guys that's getting more rotation. And, and I'm not saying that the the last we saw of Olave would be top 10 worthy, but he started off so strong that even his late production, as sporadic as it was, I mean, you've got a couple of names on there that were kind of the sub roles or the, the, the cheaper options. Like, Olave is a cheap option. I mean, when he was playing, when you could pick him up for 4-0, 4-5, and knew he was going to start, especially in the in the way it was going, he was worth having around. When we got rolling transfers, he was one of those guys. If you see him in the lineup, you grab him. Mm, no. Like, I mean, even Colin did better than him in 14. So, so I get you. I don't. I don't discredit the quality of player that he was, but he's just not a guy that um, I think in 3.0 era of fantasy makes a cut for me if you're listening let me know your opinion on if you think that uh olave should be at least a top 10 fantasy player for the 2012 20 and beyond to 2020 to current mls fantasy era so maybe when looking back it this is going 2020 maybe the the break maybe it needs to be 12 through 19 because 2020 with our new our new pricing system and budget system maybe this is fantasy 4.0 but uh we're not even really thinking about 20 right now there's so few games uh, okay so i think i cut you off you got olave ziegler and you had one more that you're going to cut to get your top Borchers and olave come out here and then walker zimmerman gets kicked out in the top five of the top five here okay okay uh so for me this is that gets oh so so tough so tough so i cut omar gonzalez at this point for myself um so i agree with you so good early on he left which i can't i can't fault the guy for leaving i mean that's that's what they're hoping for better better opportunities so he left on top consistently a top 10 player when he when he was here uh definitely in my top 10 as well uh, but since he came back with toronto i don't think he's had the impact that that players have have looked for so um i cut him at this point omar gonzalez and this is the tough one because I agree with Twitter that we need to have wingbacks, and I'm trying to think about wingbacks at this time, and and I'm going to ask for some help right now, Blaine. You can you can help change my mind right here. So Justin Morrow has two years of being a top ten fantasy player. Harrison Awful has two years of being a top ten fantasy player. But then you have Ryan Hollingshead who is a current top 10 fantasy player and into 2020 is again a wingback that people are continuing to go to for his production and uh, just just for that offensive threat as well as the benefits of of defenders so this is where i'm stuck i'm i'm leaning I'm, I'm leaning towards awful. 
I'm leaning towards awful just because I, I know the rest of my picks. Uh, and that's that's what it is. Basically, I'm just like, do do I think two Dallas players need to be potentially in my top eight? And and so, I don't know, th- I, I don't know if that's the case. So, so give me some if feedback. I, if I had to give you my my top three wingbacks to put into this list, um, awful is up there. Mm-hmm. Um, just so dominant. He had that one. What last year he was injured for most of it. Had that one really. Yeah, really rough year. A um, little bit, sh- little bit smaller sample size. Hasn't been in MLS quite as long. Um, another guy, sample size chopped up in the middle. Um, Jorge Villafania with Portland. I mean, okay. definitely got to be up there. Like what, when he's playing at his potential, he's just lights out. One of the better wingbacks, especially for fantasy. And he's also played on one of those teams where he's picking up secondary assists. And then it's a homer call, but uh, Sestinovic has to be up there. Been part of one of the best defenses in MLS for so long. Um, Maybe not your overall points getter all the time, but just so consistent for so long has to make – he would make my top three wingbacks in this just because he's been there for so long. I – no, no. But I would I, I would not give it to Snow. I mean, I I think you're going to be talking about Moro and and Beta Short easily before we talk about okay. Seth Sinovic. I, I mean, you might even throw Zusi in there before you talk no. about Sesanovic as far as no. the but, fantasy wing back you want to go for. I said it last week. Consistency and reliability were huge on my list, and so I'm I'm sticking with that. And I know Andrew's saying if I pick uh, Sinovic over Madranda, like. But again, I just don't see Madranda as that is that defender. Um, consistency and longevity for Sinovic has been a huge thing, and that's been a huge thing for me. Uh, but those would be my top three. But you're throwing that one out there. Uh, Viafania and Awful would be my would be my top two for sure. Okay, if you're looking at them. Okay, you can do that. Uh, Awful's on your list, so I think that gives you your answer. No, he is no, and I am going to go with Awful because again, I, I went back to this before. When when I'm thinking of Dallas, there's one name that comes to mind immediately. When I'm thinking of Columbus, uh, they have some good options now for sure. But there is one name that I immediately go to when I'm thinking about Dallas or Columbus for who I'm first going to look at, and it is Harrison Awful. So so I am going to keep Awful, and I'm going to cut Ryan Hollingshead at this point. Though I must say I do Ryan Hollingshead is always a wing back that I'm is I'm very much considering. Um, when yeah. when the weeks um, presenting themselves, and if we were doing this on a young guys or best in the game now, oh Hollings had top three for sure. If you're talking about right now, I just the sample size there is just small enough that I couldn't give him the nod over a couple of guys that were a little more proven, a little more long term. But no, I I absolutely agree that Hollings had it could be in this conversation, right? And we've also had other com- uh, there's there's cannon that gets thrown into the mix at times. So I mean there is some some blurring right there with wingbacks for Dallas. Uh, Andrew's throwing out Madronda as well. Uh, so so we have him right there. But that's that's uh, that's who I'm going to cut. And then the last one that I'm going to cut. And this one's hard. This I tell you all. I've got this spreadsheet. You may have just saw a quick glimpse out. I got a bunch of colors trying to track guys. I'm thinking about price values. I'm thinking about points productions. And it's like a scattergun. There have been so many defenders who have done so well over the years. Just up and down, up and down. And so this one was tough. 
and it is a no reflection on his quality as a player. Let me illustrate that enough. But number six on my list, so the last one I'm cutting when we're getting down to our top fives right here, is Chad Marshall. I am I am cutting Chad Marshall. He has had a lot of solid seasons, great production, but like I was saying, oftentimes when I was thinking of Seattle, I was looking at some wingbacks, trying to get some of that offense. Uh, so... Or they're just their offensive in, in offense in general, and we may hear something from Andrew being a Sounders fan on this one. But but I am cutting Chad Marshall from from my top five. Um, I keep I keep looking over, waiting for Andrew to <laughs> with with fantasy, and and that's because I feel like I need to have a wing back, and I feel like I need to have uh, a player who has been easier on the budget over the years. Mm-hmm right there and uh marshall's not on his radar so i think i'm making an okay call right here so here's where we're at top five in no particular order for either of us uh right now i stand with drew moore harrison awful ike opara matt beasler and matt hedges blaine stands at uh beasler hedges marshall opara and parko so we've got we've got some overlap so now we're in the final stretch and I'll let you decide, Blaine, which way you want to go. Do you want to list bottom to top, so your first two bench spots and then your definite three starters, or do you want to go from top to bottom? Oh, this is so hard for me. Um, I say we do. I want to do four starters. Like I think, I think this this group is so strong. I want four starters. So you're thinking ultimately at the end we're going to have a four four two. I don't think we're ultimately going to have a 4-4-2, okay. but I don't... But Dream Team comes out with defenders a lot. I just... I don't know. It, it's so hard. I've got... I've got one name I can throw off this list that's not a starter. Okay. But the other ones are just so interchangeable. Okay, well, we'll do it this way. You tell me your bench player first, and I'll give you my bench player first, and then we'll do our starters one through four. Okay? Okay. Okay, so yeah. who is your bench? My bench player here is Parkhurst. Okay. Um, love the production. Love the consistency. Um, started getting a little bit of rotation there at the end with Atlanta. You could see his days were numbered. Um, but when he was playing with Atlanta, really good option to have in there, especially as his price started to drop because he wasn't playing all the time. Um, he didn't get the huge budget increase. And so he stayed viable a lot, a lot longer in the season than some of his counterparts like LGP. Okay. And so just, but yeah, just not quite there. If we were doing closer to 2010 on, maybe he'd be in there, but I can't keep him around. Like he was, he'd be the easy one to drop off. Okay. For me, uh, like I said at the beginning, I felt it was important to have a player who was more value represented on the team because that has been uh, important in fantasy throughout its history. And for me, my, my bench player spot goes to Drew Moore. Uh, because he has been, even as a more value player, he has been consistently see, consistently in the top 10 to 15 players, 10 to, I guess he had that one 17 year, top 20 players for for the past several years. So uh, Drew Moore is, is my bench spot. And then I do have Mike's top five here. Mike went slightly different. Uh, his, his number five spot goes to 4.0 scrub. He doesn't even care who it is, just anybody who was 4.0, just cheap. Mike was totally looking at value, a little bit different than I was. 
Uh, so Mike gives his number five spot to 4.0 Scrub. I give it to Drew Moore, and Blaine gives it to Parkhurst. All right. Moving on to 2000, not 2000. Moving on to our top four. Blaine, from one to four, who is your top defender for the best fantasy 11 of all time in the modern era? Top defender goes to Icopara. I mean, just light out player. Um, I think Colin left in 14, which gave Opara the starting spot. So he really only missed one year in this era. If we do 13, two years, if we counted at 12, um, in that first year of a guy getting 200 points on it on defense, he was part of that. He was one of the two that broke the 200 points. Mm -hmm. Mark, uh, he's done it with two teams, uh, been consistent really elevates the play of everybody around him which increases his clean sheet op opportunities plus he's a monster in the air and scores goals um really is one of those complete fantasy players for this game clean sheet chances bonus point chances the occasional goal and been doing it at this level for so long he can't not be number one in my mind so for me, this was tough. This was real tough for me. And my number one goes to Matt Hedges. And the reason for this is because no other player in the modern era, and again, I have 13 through, through 19, I don't have 12, but no other player, defensive player in the modern era, has been able to stay a top 20 defender every year from 2012 to 2019 except for Matt Hedges his his lowest finish was 20 and that was in 2017 after that it was 12 in 2016 and then every other year he has been a top 10 fantasy defender and that that was a tough pill to swallow with someone like Icopara right there two-time defender of the year uh, Icopara finished above Matt Hedges every year when they were both in the top 20 so and i know he's had some injuries as well but no other player has been as consistently good at producing fantasy points than matt hedges and so for me that gives him the number one spot all right number two blaine oh sorry mike uh, mike just gave me four names so i don't know if these are necessarily his order one through three four um so we'll just do mike's all at the end so forget mike blaine you're number two yeah and you summed it up great for my number two uh matt hedges um Really, when you, when you start looking at best defenders over the long haul, um, no matter whether his team is good or bad, uh, Hedges is constantly putting up the bonus points. Um, you said you said it, and I think the numbers confirm why I put Opara first, and mm -hmm. it's not just because I'm a homer. When Opara's been playing, he's finished higher than Hedges every single year. Mm -hmm. I mean, that that speaks volumes, but... It's no shame in being number two behind um, a guy like Opara. And Hedges is one of those guys that in the draft leagues, he's always one of the first defenders off the board. Um, really is just a consistent, solid bonus point producer. Great floor. Um, 
makes his teammates around him better, which is which again increases clean sheet chances. Just one of the one of the most complete fantasy defenders the game has ever seen. And again, been doing it for the entire 3.0 era, which I mean, maybe that's lucky for him that he was playing at a high level when 3.0 started when we drew this off because I know he was definitely behind some of the other names like Borchers and Alave for overall defensive prowess at the beginning but just the numbers the numbers don't lie and he's totally deserving of of the number two spot and if it wasn't for a guy like Opara who is just a an athletic freak out there would be number one on my list and in 2012, I mean, I don't have the full stats, but that was that was the rookie year for for Matt Hedges. He is a uh, one of the defenders of the year um, during this during this era. Not in 2012, um, that was Matt Beasler, but uh, he is one of the defenders of the year as well. And in 2012, he played 28 of Dallas's games, so he clearly would have likely had a very solid score in 2012, whatever those numbers were, but. Um, no, good reasons. Solid pick uh, for me. Number two is is Opara. So we're flip flopped right there. And again, I Opara's qu- clear quality, two time defender of the year. He has been uh, a top ten defender the last three years. Likely would have been uh, higher previous years as well, but I know he had those injuries that he was dealing dealing with. So he has clear quality. Uh, and that was like I said before for Hedges, just that consistency throughout all of it made it was more fantasy viable to me. Both players have been expensive, so that's, they may have been prohibitive at time, but they're definitely some of the two players you're looking at, handful of players you're looking at each week when you're picking uh, your splurge defender at times. So Ikopara is my number two. Uh, Blaine, your number three. Um, yeah, this is where it gets really tough because we've got I've got two guys left on my list, and both of them really have been that Iron Man style. Played every game staples of MLS 3.0 fantasy and everything. I go with Matt Beasler here. Um, captain captain for several years of one of the best defenses in the league. Really kind of flew under the radar because he played alongside Ike Opara. Um, it dropped him down a little bit where he wasn't he wasn't the standout. He wasn't getting all the press, but I'm, I've been playing the draft fantasy game for several years now, and Beasler is always a top-five pickup to come off the board. And before Opara came on really strong, Beasler was getting picked up just as early. Um, just really has been around and given it everything he's got through this entire era. Um I'll say it, he's totally a guy that's benefiting from when he started playing in MLS and when he really made his case for in MLS that he's been around this entire run of 3.0. And the longevity there, consistently being on one of the best defenses in the league and really having a clean sheet chance every week is is huge for a guy like this. Um yeah, can't say enough good things here because he's he just he's been overshadowed by other people for most of his career, but the fantasy numbers have been there pretty consistently. 
fair. I think that's uh, I think that's fair. For me, it goes to Harrison Awful. Talked about him already earlier with uh, with why he ended up being my top uh, wingback pick. Uh, always one of the first wingbacks I consider during a round when I'm looking at that offensive threat. Uh, Columbus has had some solid teams, especially recently, uh, that have made them more attractive on on defense. And uh, Awful is a quality player with with very solid fantasy history to him. So that for me earns him the number three spot. And number four, Blaine. I think I think we know what it has to be, but go ahead and tell us. Yeah, um, here's where Chad Marshall goes, and it 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 really was a coin flip between Marshall and Beasler at this spot. Um, such long careers. I know Marshall Marshall started a little earlier, was stronger a little bit earlier than uh, Beasler, but that wasn't the 3.0 era. I know two of his Defender of the Years came with Columbus in 08 and 09 which is definitely before the fantasy 3.0. Um, if we're looking at overall fantasy game, um, I think Marshall might have to be your number one overall, but he still gave us a lot with Seattle. And we talked up Fry in the goalkeepers section. I mean, consistently a clean sheet chance, played for a great defense, made his team around him better, but just one of those overall good guys to have around and I believe in my in my season that I really tore up the draft league and maybe won the tournament at the end I had both Beasler and Marshall on my team if I'm remembering correctly as my center back pairing um, like these two guys have just been in and out of my draft team so many times like I've tried to keep these guys around I've got a lot of sentimental value for the two of them, and it really was a coin flip. And I think the only deciding factor was that Marshall retired and Beasler haven't yet was what separated these two. But it just what he's done with Seattle has been huge and consistently on the short list. Anytime Seattle's got a good matchup, Marshall has been on the short list to make my roster because he's he's just been that consistent for so long and uh for me it is uh matt beasler is uh number four for me my only one left as well a lot of the same reasons you mentioned uh but also i think sporting kansas city is the only team that is worthy to have two spots in the top five for fantasy i mean going back in time they've had so many players in the top 10 uh just through the past seven years that we're looking at here, eight years that we're looking at here, um, seven with stats. I mean, in 2017, three of the players were from Sporting Kansas City, Zussi Aptop, uh, Beasler, and Opara, the only year that Beasler was over Opara also. Um, and then you have Beasler and Opara in 16, and then you have Beasler in, uh, let's see here, 15 right there. And then, I mean, you, you've also had... Um, not always been in top 10s, but you've often also had Colin or Sinovic right there in the top 20. So this Sporting Kansas City has just been so dominant, having solid defensive teams throughout this whole era of fantasy, that you were almost always considering someone from Sporting Kansas City. And if it wasn't going to be Opara, it was often going to be Beesler. If not going to be both, if you were trying to double up, that was definitely a viable option. Uh, I know a lot of people might be talking about Zussi, again with the wingbacks. And uh, he was, I think, often a very popular wingback pick maybe some people's number one go-to a lot of Zussi's success that we're gonna I think he's more of a midfielder 
that we're going to be talking about him next week as as far as where he actually maybe is fantasy wise in this era i don't know i'll lean on you next week blaine to to lead that discussion uh, but for me, Matt Beasler is a, a very solid defensive option that, that people can look at. Um, th- this was tough. I mean, this this was tough. Like, five drew more for me was easy just because I wanted to have that kind of value player. So really, this number four spot is where I was looking at some of these guys like like Gonzalez or LGP or or, or uh or Marshall that I got rid of that this is kind of where it was really it was either on the team or four that was that we're looking for a lot of these guys uh going to Mike Mike's four that he sent over were Madronda Marshall Opara and Gonzalez so a little bit of a little bit of overlap with us he also went with uh, Opara but uh matched your Marshall but went rogue with Madronda and Gonzalez um I know Andrew's a huge fan of Madronda from the shortlist that he gave to us again for me uh, Madronda had a very small window of where he was fantasy viable. He had a great contribution to to how we talk about fantasy, but I don't think he's actually worthy of the Mount Rushmore. But I don't think he's actually best eleven right there. And then uh, again, Gonzalez for me is is I mean again Beasler Gonzalez. That's that's a, a a pairing I considered a lot for this number four, and and I could see it going towards Omar, but on his return back hasn't been as strong so. That's where I settle with that. Yeah, I, I maybe we'll have to give Mike five minutes next week if he oh for sure this week because I want to know how much our conversation would have potentially changed his picks. Um, and I want to know who he would replace Madronda with if if he, we could get him to agree that you know it's he was a flash in the pan. He's he was a brilliant value option for that short window and totally worthy of some recognition for what he did for the game but just not overall one of those players that should be around long term mm-hmm. i wonder who we would replace him with yeah maybe if we went a little more if he went with a little more in line with how we picked mm-hmm. and this was so tough because i mean depending on how things go i mean i could see like a segura easily being a top a top fantasy top five player that I'd want to have in a list, but he's he's still new to the league, so there's there's lots of guys. I mean it's it's been a huge throwback looking at these names going going back in time, but that's where we stand. Go ahead. Well I, I wanna say like you you've got a lot of older names on your list. Mm-hmm. Or we've got the the guys I mean Beasler, Marshall, Hedges, Opara, um the guys that have been around for almost the entirety of it and played on some top tier teams through that entire time. I mean, those guys are the ones that obviously make the list because they've been around for so long. And it's, it's a little unfair to some of these newer guys because LGP was hands down, was lights out one of those great players in MLS and really did take the game by storm. But the sample size there is so small. Two years. Yeah. Um, Aurelian Collin is the same thing. Um, if we went, I mean, you do 12 and 13 with this time in sporting. I mean, uh, defender of the year, or yeah, defender of the year runner up behind Beasler in 12. And I mean, 13 powered the team on to MLS Cup. That's, and really was the best, better defender in that, in that season. Like, 
two years, I'd put Collins two years up against almost anybody else's two years as best in MLS. But And that's what we've seen lately. And it didn't happen as early. We went with consistency early. But as the game has changed, as the league has changed, we could put any any guy's two-year sample size up against anybody else. I mean, Hollingshead is, I'd say he's obviously top three if you went with the two-year sample size. Oh, sure. Yeah, no, he's... Him and, L- him and LGP are probably top three. And I I mean, Omar Gonzalez would have a, a bid for that top three in a two-year sample size. You go back to his early years. Well, then was, we're, and we're also going to be talking about Tinner Home, talking about uh, Briant during this time. We're going to want to talk about Segura, like I already said. I mean, there's young, mean, Youngworth awful, again. There's just some... Awful Youngworth. I mean, both of those guys had some great short-term major success. Morrow comes in here, too. Yeah. I mean, he had those two years with Toronto was making... 16 and 17 uh, were fantastic for him, fantasy-wise. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're doing that small sample size, and the way defenders seem to be going now, you get you only get two to three years as a superstar, and the rest of them are just your you're part of the team and playing or you're here and you're gone. Like if we change that paradigm, there's this whole list changes a lot because yeah. in two years, there's my top five are, I mean, Opara and hedges are definitely in that conversation for two year sample size oh, as well. well. Yeah. But I mean, Marshall and Beasler probably both drop off in favor of some of these other guys. If we look at a two year sample size, and your wingbacks get a whole lot stronger. I mean, Yedlin would be in that list. Biafania's had those years. You've got you've got a lot of wingbacks who are only here for a short time, or it's just a position where you want young, fresh legs, and the wingbacks don't last as long in that position playing at that top level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, that's the toughest thing for everybody listening who may be, be raging right now. Uh, the toughest thing with Fantasy 11s versus, I think, the the real teams that the ETR guys have been doing is you've got to try to find that separation of the the player side and the value the player has for for the team or the your team or whatever. So there's, there's the player value, there's the raw point production fantasy value, but then there's also their contributions to just the fantasy community that we've seen with Dare to Opara and the Madronda and things like that. So it's uh it's tough to to take all that to distill it down because there are so many there are players that are important to us fantasy wise maybe not because of their production but what they mean to the game i mean we again with um quincy ameriqua what he did for the game with that so that's that's another situation so but uh it's tough that's where we ended up settling on uh blaine's top five opara Hedges, Beasler, Marshall, Parkhurst, Michael's top five, Madronda, Marshall, Opara, Gonzalez, and a 4.0 scrub. Uh, and then my top five, Matt Hedges, Ike Opara, Harrison Awful, Matt Beasler, and Drew Moore. So that's where we sit. Let us know what you think. Uh, send us a message on Twitter or uh, post on YouTube, anything you'd like to do that way. Just let us know what you think. We'll be covering midfielders next week, which I can only imagine will be equally as interesting maybe as argumentative and i think we will finally give valeri his due during this time coming up next week so blaine final comments yes um 
everybody listening and that's watched, uh, go shame Mike for not having Matt Hedges in the top five. <laughs> the math is not on his side, and make sure he knows it. Um, I, I like, I love Mike's take on it, and I love the value option, and that I know that's exact, hundred percent him and how he plays fantasy. But he can't overlook um, Matt Hedges in favor of Omar Gonzalez on this point. So go shame him on that one. Um, Reed and I have Hedges and Opara as one and two, just flip-flopped. There is no way Mike can't have Hedges in the top five. If Reed and I are in that tight of agreement on those two guys, yeah, go shame Mike. Mike needs it. He's not here tonight, so he definitely deserves it. And maybe it'll get him to listen to the podcast. He's working on law stuff. Who knows? Uh, yeah, so thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, again, as we're continuing to get back to work, please be healthy at work when you are going back. Be healthy at home when you're at home. Uh, if you if you uh, are off of work, uh, please, please be safe there. And uh, I hope that this podcast can help with uh, just your mental well-being during this, this time. So thank you so much for joining us, and good luck.